Welcome to Sky Women. I'm your host, Dr. Carolyn Moyers, a wife, mom, and board-certified OB-GYN. This is a place to educate, empower, and inspire women. Join us each week as we share the power of women's stories. Real women, real stories, real inspiration. Put on your stretchy pants. Let's get going. Hi, friends. Welcome to another episode of Sky Women. I am so excited you are here today. We have a special guest, Shiva Gofrani, who is a board-certified OB-GYN and an ovarian cancer survivor, and we're going to be talking about all things ovarian cancer. Before we get to the episode, though, if you're in the Dallas-Fort Worth area and you are having pain in pregnancy or postpartum, at Sky Women's Health, we specialize in hands-on, drug-free osteopathic adjustments customized for pregnancy and postpartum to help you feel your best and enjoy your pregnancy and newborn on your terms. You can join the Sky community and have one-on-one support from our team throughout your pregnancy and postpartum. One of our new Sky Mamas, who just had her baby, wrote a review that said, I saw Dr. Moyers from early second trimester through my pregnancy for OMM at the recommendation of my OB-GYN for my hip and pelvic pain. Dr. Moyers and Lauren are warm, kind, and positive and were very accommodating to my inconsistent work schedule. I always look forward to my appointments and felt so much better after I saw Dr. Moyers. My hip and pelvic pain were gone after a few sessions when I was consistently back in alignment again. I was able to be on my feet longer and feel more comfortable working throughout my pregnancy. I highly recommend Dr. Moyers OMM treatments for anyone throughout pregnancy. Friends, don't count the days and wish your pregnancy away because of pain. Have a joyful pregnancy, pain-free, empowered in your own body, ready for delivery and postpartum. Let us support you through this important life transition. You can visit skywomenshealth.com and request an appointment and we will call to get you set up. We are so grateful for this lovely review. A big shout out to our patients who trust us with their care. Okay, before we get to introducing our guest today, I want to talk about a couple of facts about ovarian cancer. Ovarian cancer affects women of all ages, but is most commonly diagnosed after menopause. More than 75% of affected women are diagnosed at an advanced stage because early stage disease is usually without symptoms. And symptoms of late stage disease tend to be nonspecific, as you'll hear Dr. Gofrani and I discuss. Ovarian cancer is a cancer that affects one or both ovaries. Ovarian cancer can develop on the surface of the ovary or from tissues inside the ovary. There are three main types, the most common being epithelial tumors. There are certain risk factors associated with epithelial ovarian cancer, and those are being over the age of 55 family history of breast cancer, ovarian cancer, colon cancer, or endometrial cancer, personal history of breast cancer, uh, gene mutations such as BRCA1 and BRCA2, never having had children, infertility, endometriosis, and Lynch syndrome. So what screening tests are available? And you'll hear Dr. Gofrani and I kind of allude to this. A screening test is a test that's done when no symptoms are present. So here's an example colonoscopy for colorectal cancer, pap test for cervical cancer. Currently, there is no screening test for ovarian cancer, so you should be alert to any changes in your body and discuss them with your OB-GYN 
the earlier the ovarian cancer is diagnosed, the more likely that treatment will be successful. So what symptoms are you looking for? If you have symptoms that are persistent, more than 12 days per month, such as bloating or an increase in your abdominal size, like say your pants felt really tight, um, pelvic or abdominal pain, difficulty eating or feeling full quickly, urinary symptoms, having to pee more often, urgent whenever you need to go. Other symptoms could include vaginal bleeding, especially after menopause, a change in bowel habits. Having these symptoms does not mean that you have ovarian cancer, but it's a good idea to find out what is causing them. So how is ovarian cancer diagnosed? If you're having frequent or persistent symptoms, you need to get in for a history and physical exam. This is going to include a pelvic exam and then an imaging test of the ovaries. Transvaginal ultrasound is our gold standard. If a growth is found on the ovaries, then your OBGYN is going to order some blood tests, very likely additional imaging as well. One of the blood tests that we often order is a CA-125 that is sometimes elevated in women with ovarian cancer. Ovarian cancer is treated through surgery. It's recommended to remove the uterus, the ovaries, the fallopian tubes, lymph nodes, and tissues in the pelvis and abdomen are often checked for cancer. So these will be removed at the time of surgery for staging, which you'll hear Dr. Gofrani and I discuss. So when she mentions that she woke up expecting that she would be staged, that's what she's referring to. And chemotherapy after surgery is often recommended in cases of ovarian cancer. It's used to kill the cancer cells. So you may hear this episode and have like bells and whistles going off and terrified that you're going to get ovarian cancer. And you may say, how can I reduce my risk? Okay. First of all, ovarian cancer is quite rare. But if you want to look at different ways to reduce your ovarian cancer, combined hormonal birth control pills, so estrogen and progesterone combination, may reduce the risk of ovarian cancer. The longer a woman takes the pill, the more the risk is reduced. So for every five years on the pill, a woman reduces her risk by about 20%. This benefit needs to be balanced, of course, against the risk of using the pill. The pill is safe in most women, but can be associated with small increased risk of deep vein thrombosis or a DVT, heart attack, and stroke. There are also current theories that ovarian cancer may start in the fallopian tube. And if you need to have your uterus removed or you've chosen sterilization as a permanent method of birth control, you may want to ask your OBGYN about having your fallopian tubes removed. This operation is called a salpingectomy. And in this procedure, the fallopian tubes are completely removed and the ovaries are left in place. A salpingectomy may reduce the risk of ovarian cancer. Okay, that is a lot of information, I know. Without further ado, let me introduce to you Dr. Shiva Gofrani. She is a board-certified OBGYN, mom of three, and ovarian cancer survivor. She is in Stanford, Connecticut, and has 22 years of experience as an OBGYN. Dr. Gofrani completed her training in integrative health and healing and incorporates integrative techniques in her practice in order to provide a broader spectrum of patient care. Dr. Gofrani has been recognized in the Huffington Post and Cosmopolitan and Parents Magazine. She's also been featured in videos on WebMD and The Bump. Sheena has increased her online presence by openly discussing pregnancy, gynecology, and mindset issues on Instagram at Big Love Fierce Juju and has started a community for women to learn and engage about these subjects called Tribe Called V. So without further ado, welcome Dr. Gofrani. Thank you. It's one of the reasons I wanted to have you because you have a unique story um, as an OB-GYN going through one of our most fierce cancers 
right? Mm -hmm. It's the least favorite one to diagnose. Yeah. It's the worst to diagnose, right? Yeah. Because we usually find it late. Right. Right. All the symptoms are vague. They're hidden. We can't really screen those ovaries. Um, You chalk it up to bloating or mincy or whatever. Too much wine. Right. Food. Right. 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 So walk us through that journey. Well, and I laugh by the way that, I mean, it does sound like a joke when I look at like my pedigree of what's happened in my life, in my medical life, Uh even though if you know this part, when I was in medical school, I had a 17 centimeter endometrioma. Really? So I had just met my husband. I was having some pain. The residents in Tel Aviv, where I was a medical student in the OBGYN department, one of the amazingly astute residents goes to examine me and says, you feel like you're four months pregnant. And I said, well, I cannot be because that would be literally impossible. And she does an ultrasound and I had a 17 centimeter endometrioma, which just goes to remind us all as women and doctors, how much we overlook. And at the time when she told me, I said, you know, I do feel like I've been peeing a little bit more frequently than usual. And I'd had terrible periods. And I actually then recalled two months prior, a day where I had to miss my rotations, which I never did because I had so much pain that I literally remember saying to my partner in my class, I would like to have a hysterectomy. I'll never have kids. This is the worst, right? So that was the beginning of like my gynecology journey. And then flash forward, once I became a resident, I ended up having six miscarriages. My first son, 17 almost, had an intrauterine stroke that we discovered after the delivery. Like within about eight hours, he was having seizures. So we found out. Um, And then my second son, who's now almost 13, had a true club foot, like not intoing, like a true club foot. (laughs) And then I got surprised pregnant when I was 40 years old with my third baby girl, with my third child who happened to be a girl. Um, And then at 46, I had ovarian cancer. So like when I look back on everything, luckily I really do laugh about it now. And I, and I, I would say even amidst everything, I somehow learned and appreciated and knew that it would all work out okay in whatever okay was. Right. But, uh, but yeah, the ovarian cancer, I joke now, like it gives me such street cred because when I say to a patient, listen, you tell me of cramping, you do an ultrasound. And when the rebuttal to me is like, well, Shiva, don't you just think it's because I had too much Chinese food, because I had too much wine, because of whatever it is. Excuses. I say all the time, listen, I think it probably is that fact is just statistically, it's probably that. But if as gynecologists, we keep betting on that, we are going to be wrong occasionally. And why would I be wrong in your case? Like, and I said, listen, I'm the one luckily who had it at stage two because I did for myself what I would make all of my patients do, which is do an ultrasound. The ultrasound led to an MRI. So I really think that it's something that as gynecologists, we have to be much more proactive about in really convincing people that they need to have a low threshold to do ultrasounds when they're having pain, pressure, bloating. Right. Wow. Yes. Wow. That is so rare. And for our listeners, I just want them to know how rare that is that your ovarian cancer was caught early. You know, we stage it up to a stage four, which would be metastatic and being caught at stage two. Tell us what you had done. Well, and so just to give your, your listeners a review, like you said, so the majority, so we know that at least two thirds of ovarian cancer is found at stage three or four. And because right. like alluded to people mistakenly, I always say, call it the silent killer. Right. And I hate that term because as I always say, that implies like we have no ability to detect this one. In reality, it's subtle, right? But it's 
either. I mean, the majority of women, as we know, have had six months at least of, I was bloated. I had pressure. I had pain. I reported it, if at all, right. to my internist, to my GI doctor, to my urologist, whoever. So I keep saying to anyone who will listen, especially my patients in my practice, if you have bloating or pain or pressure for more than two weeks, it's likely nothing, but let's check it out. And I feel like we have to aggressively as doctors keep approaching it in that way. It's likely nothing. Don't freak out. Don't be paranoid, but let's check it out. Because if we keep assuming it's nothing, we're going to miss it. Maybe it's only going to be one in a thousand times, but we're going to miss that one in a thousand. And those women are going to present to stage three or four, and they're going to continue to perpetuate this notion to all of us that it's silent and silent. So again, to all the listeners, if you're bloating pain or pressure, don't freak out. Don't be paranoid. Don't assume you're dying of ovarian cancer because you're likely not, but go get an ultrasound. The downside and the conundrum being ultrasounds are not always covered by insurance because it's not a screening test. So your doctor can't call it a screening test. It's going to be a diagnostic test. It might not be covered. That sucks. Take it up with your insurance company. It's not something that Dr. Moyers and I are in charge of. Um, But yeah, so I had had endometriosis. It had gone away like most of us it does during childbearing years because I I was on birth control, you know, all those things that keep it at bay. And then at about 45, 46, it came back as it often does, because that's the time when we're off birth control and we're perimenopausal and I was having a lot of pain. And like most doctors, <laughs> I was suffering through it. And at the end of the day, I would come home and I'd think, you know, I didn't have a lot of pain during the day. I only have it at night when I'm in bed. I must be okay. But after a couple months of that, I had an ultrasound in my office, like I would for any patient. And my really astute tech saw a four centimeter, what looked like an endometrioma. And she and I both agreed, it looks like an endometrioma, but she said, I know if it was your patient, you would make them do an MRI just in case. And I was like, okay, I'll do it just to put my money where my mouth is so that I can prove to my patients that I would do it. I'll tell them, but we know it's an endometrioma. It looked like it. I'd had one before. I'm in right. peace. I'll right. probably have it removed anyway, but. but right. Most logical MRI. scenario. Yeah. The MRI to be sure I do the MRI and the doctor calls me right away and is like, this does not look regular. The radiologist says this. And I remember it was a Tuesday. It's my day off. It's like the only day you and I do anything is like, we ever right. have a day. and I said to him, oh, you know what? You guys always tend to overcall endometriomas. I totally appreciate it. I'm having it operated on anyway, because I'm in pain, but it's going to be just an endometrioma. And I truly went into surgery thinking that despite my G1 oncology surgeon saying, you're probably right, but you and I both know it could be ovarian cancer. And I was like, no, it's not. And I woke up like knowing that I was maybe going to be waking up having been staged and I was staged because it turns out it was ovarian cancer. Initially it was diagnosed as high-grade papillary serous, but thankfully when I went for an opinion at Dana-Farber where the man who has learned about our tubes being the cause of ovarian cancer, he was the one to look at my pathology and it was actually endometrioid. So it was my endometrioma had transformed into ovarian cancer. Wow. Um, so good news was I had gotten fully staged. The bad news was I needed chemotherapy for, so I did 18 weeks, so six cycles. Mm-hmm. Um, and my bladder had gotten perforated, unfortunately, during the surgery. And then the repair, the incision from my bladder perforation, the, the incision actually opened. So I needed a wound back. And so no joke, it sounds terrible, but I talk about it a lot and openly and frequently because like anything else, when we each hear anyone else's story, 
we think that sounds like the worst. I could never go through that. But in fact, like I was fine. I got through it. You know, here I am truly feeling like I've had a great life. Just like if I listen to your story about what you might've been through with, you know, life, whatever. So I think we all have to remind ourselves, we're all going to go through stuff. I mean, I say this all the time. Yes. Kids, kids are going to go through shite. It's going to happen. Yeah. Let's remind ourselves each time we get through something that things are going to keep happening. And the vast majority of time, even as bad as okay. we're going to be okay. And I think that is so important because think about how many times we don't remind ourselves of that. So we really over-dramatize what we think is going to happen. Absolutely. And, right. And it either like stimulates our cortisol and we feel stressed out and terrible, or it leads to avoidance. Oh my God, I can't imagine having that. I'm not going to go for my mammogram. I'm not going to go for my test. I'm not, I don't want to know the answer. Oh, we see that all the time. Yes. Yes. I agree that there is a lot of power in sharing our stories and our lived experiences because then it empowers somebody else who says, Hey, I've been having those symptoms too, or, Hey, I went through that. And, you know, whether it's a pregnancy loss or ovarian cancer or endometriosis, like these are not things that we need to shame and, and keep hush about because so many are suffering with it and we need to share it. Yeah. And I think the more we, you know, I said this today, I think probably to three different patients, the more we realize that what we have is actually fairly common, doesn't mean that it feels good when you're going through it, but it certainly emotionally feels less onerous. Right. And if we remind ourselves in our own brain, like now I kind of feel like I, I know anything I, I'm going to go through, like I've been through some really bad stuff and I'm still great and fine and happy at 51. So I have to keep reminding myself of that because it's very easy for me to then go, oh my God, let's say I haven't been through, you know, a million things I haven't been through. It's easy for me to be like, oh my God, I can't imagine going through that. But the truth is if I remind myself like, oh yeah, but I have hard things. Yeah. (laughs) I've lived through ovarian cancer. I mean, I got it. (laughs) Yeah. You know, when everyone's talking about the COVID vaccine and like, how are your side effects? I'm like, I gotta be honest. I don't mean to poo poo it. Cause like, again, other people haven't gone through certain things. But I always say it's all relative. Like, so relative to the chemotherapy and Nulasta, which is the, <laughs> the blood cell, they stimulate your bone marrow and it causes terrible pain. Relative to that, me having my second dose during my call week where I had to work and take Tylenol and Motrin, I'm like, yeah, it sucked. If I were home, I would have taken a nap, but I wasn't home. It was fine. Like, right. All relative. <laughs> all relative. It's Everyone all likes. relative. Okay. So tell us about when you started at Big Love Fierce Juju and what that meant to you and how you're utilizing that platform on social media. So the name kind of was this funny, random, organic. When I finished my chemo, mm-hmm. and I'm, I'm lucky that I've always felt fairly close to my patients, but I do think that because I went through what I went through, it helped a lot of patients, most of whom did not have ovarian cancer, but let's say they had you know, breast cancer or anything else. I think they feel like they can really understand, like I can understand what they've been through. So I right. can talk. To them. Um, and I've always felt again, pretty close to them and just in how I communicate and how much I communicate. So pretty soon after I was diagnosed, it might've even been while I was still going through it. One of my patients who had breast cancer, she and I were talking and texting. And I said that I hate saying, I'm sorry when someone goes through something. Cause I feel very much like when someone says to me like, Oh, I'm sorry. It sounds very distancing, right? It sounds like you have something bad and I'm okay. <laughs> and I don't, uh, feel, it didn't, I don't know why it never felt good, even though I know people mean it in a nice way, but it felt distancing. And so somehow when she was going through this and I said, I don't want to say, you know, I was texting, I said, I don't want to say I'm sorry because that sounds distancing, but 
you know, I'm just going to tell you that I'm sending you my big love. Yeah. And somehow like I joked that I don't know why, but like right after that, I wanted also to just like, let her know that I meant, you know, I'm going to send her like just love and um, all of those emotionally like superstitious feelings that I like as a Persian. And so I said, I'm going to send you my big love and fierce juju. And I don't know when it came out, I was like, oh, I like that. That's like, you know, that's like, feels like a fun tag for me, especially because fortunately or unfortunately, I have so many patients and friends who reach out to me outside mm-hmm. of medical stuff, but just for like the emotional side. Right. And, so, and that kind of stuck. And I wasn't yet on Instagram because I just wasn't doing that. People had always said like, oh, it'd be fun if you, you know, you should have a talk show. You like to talk so much or, you know. <laughs> and I was on the Tyra Banks show actually 10 years ago. Oh my word. <laughs> Super funny and cheesy. You should see that clip. I'll send you the video clip at some point. Okay, I can't wait. It's very funny. And so, yeah, then I started doing Instagram two years ago after going to a conference with a friend, a medical conference about social media that one of my friends and I went to for fun. We wanted to go to a conference. We didn't want it to be too serious. We were in LA. And at that conference, everyone said, you just have to start posting. Don't overthink it. It can't be perfect. You just have to post. And I thought that's great because I was definitely not the type who does things perfectly at all. And because I wasn't doing it perfectly, I I didn't, I just wasn't posting, which wasn't into my existence. And like that weekend, I started thinking, okay, I'm just going to start posting. And I posted about my husband and I going on our 20th anniversary and how annoyed I was at him. And it was, <laughs> I was really honest. And I said, hashtag 20 years of bliss. I'm so tired of people acting like, oh my God, everything's amazing. I'm going to tell it like it is. I'm pissed at my husband. We're like going on vacation for our 20th anniversary. He like booked the stupid flight <laughs> through Puerto Rico to get to Anguilla. It was so dumb and annoying. And somehow when I posted it, like a ton of people were like, oh my God, that's so real. Thank you. And that kind of is what started. So I changed my tag on Instagram from Shiva Gofrani to Big Love Fierce Juju because it was just fun. I had yes. no idea it was going to take off. And that was literally two years ago. I think I had like 200 followers. Um, well, I think that the more authentic you show up, the better it is. I mean, people want to see your authenticity. And I think I've struggled with that some, you know, and just... Oh, you know, what do you share and what do you not share? And, you know, just that comfort level. But I think it really is just putting yourself out there and just sharing authentically. Well, and I think, right, when we share as women, and I'll say as women, because I'm sure men are the same, but they're not the same, let's face it. So (laughs) I really have found that you get two things. You either get the women who wanted to share. So they're like, oh my God, good. You're sharing. Well, I'm going to share too. And then you feel better. Because again, you realize how common so many things are. You realize you're not alone when you're like annoyed at your husband or you feel fat or you're pissed that you, whatever it is. Like not feeling like me is so great to know that you have like a group of women that bond. But I also feel um, like this reciprocal, this help where because I've opened up enough, then other women who don't have good friends or don't, I don't know, they just feel like they have to pretend to be perfect. They really can be like, Hey, this is amazing. You're being open about it and you're not falling apart. And you're still actually, you know, a normal, healthy, confident person with like a career and family. So it must be okay. Right. Right. The hard part for me, and I don't know if you find this, I have no problem being open about like, literally there's not one thing about myself that I feel private about. I probably don't like to trans like to talk openly about how much I weigh right now, but that's because like right now I'm really annoyed that I put on like probably 20 something pounds since COVID. And I've always struggled with my weight. I was 250 pounds. I actually did gastric bypass 10 years ago, right before my third baby. Um, so there's very little that I'm private about, about myself, 
but I struggle with wishing that I could be more open about certain things like in my, in my pod of people, right? Like my, right. And I, I don't talk openly about some of their things for their own privacy sake. Sure. No, I get that. Right. But it's too bad in a way. I wish I could, because I do think me being able to talk openly about how I take care of or cope with any of them would be helpful because a lot of women are struggling with this. How do they deal with whatever it is, being a wife, a mother, a daughter, a sister, all those things. Right. Again, I don't, but I I wish people were more open. I just think it'd be easier. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Let's stop pretending. Let's be real. Um, I think that there's a lot of beauty in the authenticity to just show up and be your bold, beautiful self. Thank you. Well, I think it's easier. I have to yes. of hide things. I don't have time. <laughs> yes. So tell us about Tribe Called V and why you started it, how it came about. I am so doing about it. It's it's already taking off, which is so great. So a year ago, about Jenny, my business partner, I had met her through her sister's organization, which is kind of a shared office space for women with a lot of female programming, like lectures and, and um, talks and things like that. So she approached me and said, so great to meet you. I'm going to get pregnant. I'm 40. She was going to be 45 and she was going to use her frozen eggs from when she was 35. She was very wow. Over a decade ago, she froze her eggs. She now had embryos with her husband and wanted to get pregnant. And she said, I really want you to be my doctor and I want to create a pregnancy course. And to me, it was so exciting because I had been learning through Instagram that what I like most about being a doctor is not healing. It's not the science of medicine. It's actually none of that. It is engaging with people and feeling like, oh my God, this is a a quid pro quo. I'm not just like here to be selflessly teaching. I love talking to people. And I love that when I talk to them about my experience or what they need, I can help them. And so they get something and I get something, right? Right. So now through Instagram, I've learned that like, oh, I can do this on a wider scale. And now Jenny comes to me and says, let's create a pregnancy course. Great. So it started as that, but it quickly morphed into not just the course, but our first offering, which was our pregnancy program, which is already up and running. We wrote a 220 page ebook where we talked about, you know, all those little things like patients come to you and we have to always as doctors kind of play defense. Like, oh, you had your big anatomy ultrasound and they told you there were choroid plexus cysts or echogenic focus of the heart or pyelectasis. Don't worry, it's not a big deal. It means X, Y, Z. Or right. oh, you're having bleeding and we saw a subchorionic hematoma. Don't worry, it means this. So it's constant defense. And unfortunately with the internet, people are reading dreadful things that now we have to play defense even more. And now those patients are in a spiral because they're anxious and they're scared. So the whole purpose of the ebook is to preemptively go through all the little what ifs. Like, what if this happens? What if that happens? And I want patients to read it ahead of time. I shouldn't say patients. I want the members of our group to read it ahead of time so that when something happens, they don't have to freak out. So the program is the book and two to four lives every month where we do Q&A. We talk about pregnancy issues. Last night, we had a pelvic floor PT talk about what patients can do with perineal massage, exercises, things like that. So that's our pregnancy program. And the side part was the kit, the telehealth components, which we were really happy. We used that as a launching off point, but we quickly realized that patients and members don't care as much about the telehealth component 
And I was glad because I do think telehealth has a role in OB, but I didn't fashion us as a um, e-commerce company. We really wanted to be content where we were giving them the book, giving them these lives every month and creating a community. So luckily we pivoted very quickly and realized, okay, people really like the program more than the kit part. Right now the kit is being offered for free with the program, but we're gonna kind of quickly phase that out. So again, our first part is the Myobiomy Pregnancy Program. The second part, which is already done being filmed is her entire pregnancy. She birthed last week. So we have 42 visuals wow. that we videoed through the last year of her entire pregnancy where we're teaching again in more detail about everything, placenta previa, preeclampsia, you know, how to birth, everything that could potentially happen. Um, we wanna talk about it in a way that is informative but decreases anxiety. So that is gonna be done soon where we'll have that kind of edited and, and people can purchase the course. And then the third part is gonna be the gynecology component where I'm gonna do the same thing, but for things like HPV, herpes, perimenopause, abnormal mammograms, you know, bleeding, vaginitis, all the things again that women freak out about because they don't learn about it. And again, they only learn about it once someone says like, oh, it turns out you have an abnormal pap smear and then they flip out. Instead, if they can hear about it calmly ahead of time. And if they don't happen to experience it, maybe their friend does. They can teach their friend or their daughter or their sister. Today, in fact, one of my patients who had an abnormal pap smear um, and I hadn't done her pap smear, one of my partners did, she came to me, I did her colposcopy and she literally said, I just watched your video and I feel so much calmer learning, like knowing as I walked in to the colposcopy that you'd already talked about it. I know that 90% of us had HPV. I know that it's unlikely going to lead to cervical cancer. I know what you're going to do during the colposcopy. And that was just from watching Instagram. So if I can do that more robustly through Tribe Called V, it's like a win-win. I like it. It's fun. I'm getting right. something with it and patients will learn more. I really think that like so far our, the reception has been great. You know, our, our kind of tagline is we want to increase women's knowledge to decrease their anxiety. I want your listeners to like go home and think about this today or tonight or whenever they listen to this, that all of us as women tend to say things that are very dramatic. Like I hear all the time and you probably hear all the time, like, I'm so scared about an abnormal pap smear. I'm so scared about whatever it is that they're scared of. Mm -hmm. And in reality, what they're scared of, even if it sucks, is not horrible. So the example I use all the time that when I really tell patients, I think they realize and it helps them feel better. Look at everything you've each gone through in your life. Every single person who's listening, I'm sure has gone through a lot of things that they didn't think they could weather through, right? Like you and I did not think we could get through what we've gone through. And if someone told you at age 18, like Carolyn, this is what you're going to go through. I mean, I joke, if someone told me at 26, by the way, from 26 to 46, you're going to have six miscarriages, ovarian cancer, you know, all the stuff you're going to go through. I would have been like, that sounds crappy. Goodbye. Thank you very much. But no. Yeah. But instead, I actually feel no joke. Like I literally feel like I have had so many amazing things that at 51, I'm so lucky to have been through what I've been through. And I do think that it's completely a tweak of our mindset to feel that way. Right. Absolutely. Each been through things. We don't know what the other person has been through. Whatever we've been through has probably sucked, but we've gotten through it. And we need to, the minute we've gotten through it, we have to remind ourselves and embed that so that we get those neural pathways to help us feel better for the next time. Cause there will be a next time not right. to be, doing there will let's be optimistic and open that the more proactive we are about things, the next time won't be so terrible. Right. Life is 50-50. There is going to be good with the bad. And it is how much we manage our mind because, you know, having ovarian cancer is just a fact, right? Just a fact, yep. 
then what do you think and feel about it? And how does that drive your action? Right. And if you sit in fear and you don't do anything, well, then guess what? Then you've got metastatic cancer and, <laughs> you know, proactive and not paranoid. We won't avoid, we'll know, we'll acknowledge that things might happen, but we'll catch it early. Totally. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, I am so excited about what you're doing and I am so thrilled to have you bring your big love fierce juju to Sky Women. <laughs> yeah. So I would love for the, anyone who's listening, go to Tribe Called V. Um, and if you're pregnant and you want to do the pregnancy program, come join us in the pregnancy membership. And if you are not pregnant or never choosing to be pregnant, which I applaud you for many reasons, because I think it's great to be pregnant and to not be pregnant. The gynecology stuff is actually in a way what I'm more excited about because we spend more of our life as gynecology patients than as OB patients, period, right? So True. That's a very good point. Yeah. Okay. So they can find you at tribecalledv.com and the pregnancy course is within Tribe Called V. Yes. Okay. All of it is in Tribe Called V. Yep. Okay. And then on Instagram, they can find you at Big Love Fierce Juju. Yes. Both Big Love Fierce Juju and Tribe Called V. My personal is Big Love Fierce Juju in our and our platform is Tribe Called V. Got it. Got it. All right. Well, thank you so much for joining us today. This has been delightful. So fun. Always fun. Thank you for listening today, Sky Community. Episode 15 with Big Love Fierce Juju. Go give her some love. Go increase your knowledge in order to decrease your anxiety by following her at Tribe Called V. And as always, you know where to find me at Sky Women's Health and at Dr. Carolyn Moyers on Instagram. You can find us at skywomenshealth.com. Before the two blue lines, a dream of a baby, yet your body feels different and uncomfortable, back and hip aches, sore ribs. You feel guilty complaining because you're grateful to be growing your family. Maybe you feel alone in pregnancy or postpartum and don't know where to turn. You shouldn't have to suffer in pain and just accept the discomforts of pregnancy. At Sky Women's Health, we offer hands-on drug-free osteopathic adjustments customized for you and your body. So come check us out at skywomenshealth.com. Until next week, be well. <laughs>